The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. All right, we're stepping in to the story. Woo, hallelujah. Good evening. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing good? Yes, well, it's exciting. It's an exciting time and a great uh, weekend. And uh, let us welcome those who are listening to KSDW live on the radio up in the Murrieta Temecula area. We can clap and welcome all of them. Glad to have you guys. And I am excited tonight to share with you that Jesus Christ is coming back soon. Amen? Woo, hallelujah. Yeah, he, he is, and I, I get to share with you a lot of different things. Obviously, I'm excited about this new book and the new series and everything. And by the way, I wanted to mention those who are online uh, that you, since you're not here, but you can go onto our website, maranothachapel.org, and you can order the book there for the same uh, savings price that we have starting off going this weekend. And, um, or you can also just go to Amazon, amazing Amazon, and you know, go there and get the book and they'll bring it to you right away. So just wanted to say thank you to all of you guys, been thinking about it, praying about it, I'm looking forward to reading it and uh, it's already in one category, number one on Amazon. So, hallelujah. God is good. All the time. God is good. So here is what I want to do tonight. Um, I want to share with you uh, from the scriptures about the coming of the Lord, what, what I see. I'm going to share with you some, uh, some news headlines and put it together with scripture and see where, just where we think we are. And, uh, you know, I mean, each one of these, I'm going to have to go through them kind of quickly. I've got some headlines, some pictures to show you. So we're gonna cover a lot of ground with a little bit of space. And know this, I could, I could talk to you guys for a long time on each one of these different things. But I think I wanna just kind of share with you kind of the big picture, a lot of really, really exciting things that are taking place and that I think are congealing, they are converging, they are coming together. And it just makes me so excited because I cannot wait to hear the trumpet blast, the shout of the archangel, the trumpet of God, and to be caught up in a moment in the twinkle of an eye and be in the presence of the Lord forevermore. Amen? Come quickly, even so, Lord Jesus. Well, let's bow our heads and let's pray, and then we'll dive right in. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. I thank you for my dear, precious brothers and sisters. I pray that your hand will be upon them. The blessing of the Lord will rest upon their heads. Lord, may you in inspire them tonight. I pray they will be blessed. I pray they will be encouraged. I pray that they will be edified. They will be comforted. And most of all, I pray that you would fill them with hope. Lord, may you open our eyes uh, to see these events, not merely from a natural viewpoint, not just with natural reasoning. Lord, not merely with the wisdom of men, but I thank you that we have been given the Holy Spirit to live and dwell and abide within our hearts. I thank you for your precious, awesome, mighty word that is divine. 
Your word that created all things, you spoke all things into existence. And in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as if the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. No man has seen God, but the Son who is from the bosom and the heart of our Father in heaven, you have declared him and made him known. So Father, I pray that tonight we will hear your voice and we will hear your guidance and your direction. And Lord, that we will be filled with the Holy Spirit and all the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, self-control, Lord, in every area, may we be filled to overflowing for the Spirit of God and the fruit of the Spirit. And I pray, Lord, if there are any that are listening to this message tonight, uh, watching online, listening to the radio, here, uh, wherever they may be in their homes, apartments, or condos, and if they do not know you yet, I pray that tonight they will hear your voice and they will hear your hand knocking on the door of their heart and they will open the door to you and receive the greatest gift that can ever be received, the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life, the gift of the forgiveness of sins, and the gift of your spirit. So we commend all these things into your hands. In Jesus' wonderful, mighty name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Okay, so let me begin with Matthew chapter 24, verses 6 through 8. Jesus has gathered his disciples around him. He's giving now what is called the Olivet Discourse. So this is, uh, by the way, this is where our story is going to land. It's going to land at the Mount of Olives. And in fact, even the story that I have just written ends on the Mount of Olives and something very special that is coming soon on the Mount of Olives. You know, it was from the Mount of Olives that the glory of God left the temple, went east, stood over the mountain on the east side, which is the Mount of Olives, and then in the Old Testament, because the people had rejected God, the glory, the Shekinah, withdrew from the Mount of Olives and went up into heaven. When God was ready to send his glory back through the person of his son, it was Jesus. As we know and celebrate on that Palm Sunday, here was the anointed king, the Davidic king of Israel, and all the spirit of God dwelling within him. Where was he on the little donkey? On the Mount of Olives. And as he made that triumphal entry, it was like the re-entry of the glory that, as Ezekiel described in the Old Testament, had left, now the glory is coming back. But now that Jesus has risen from the dead, ascended up into heaven, is coming again, and guess where he's coming back? Exactly, on the Mount of Olives. So the Mount of Olives is extremely precious, powerful, uh, and biblical. So Jesus is now giving the last day's message to the believers saying, okay, so when are you coming back? When are you gonna set up your kingdom? And this is what he said in the Olivet Discourse, it's called that because that's where the olive groves were on the Mount of Olives. He says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against a nation and kingdom against kingdom. So Jesus is saying, you know, wars, when you hear of wars, no, that's not the end yet. But then in verse seven, when he said nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, 
Now he is saying, this is where you need to start paying attention. And that's a Hebrew phrase, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, is a Hebrew idiom for world war. So, you know, you look back, Jesus was here 2,000 years ago. But it's recent relative history that we had World War I and then World War II. And both of those wars are related to the Jewish people. We don't have time to go into that, but both of them were related to Israel. So he said, start paying attention when the world is caught in world wars. Then there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And all these are the beginning of birth pains. So what I want to share with you tonight is that I feel we are in the midst of birth pains. So I love this. When Jesus said, it'll be like birth pains. So when you think of birth pains, what do you think? You think of the delivery of a baby. So the kingdom of God was planted, as it were, the seed of the gospel 2,000 years ago on Pentecost. 3,000 get saved, the church has begun. And so the church has been growing, uh, you know, as it were, developing from stage to stage over the last 2,000 years. But then there comes a moment when labor begins. Labor is involved with pains. The pains start getting shorter and shorter and closer and closer together. By the way, they get more painful, but the good news is all of that labor is a sign that a baby, a brand new baby is about ready to be born. So what I wanna share with you tonight, that's the, one of the main signs Jesus gave to us about the last days. He did not say the world was going to end. If you have you know, neighbors, friends, or relatives that say, oh man, Bible thumpers, man, they just believe in the end of the world. No, we don't. The Bible doesn't say the world's gonna end. In fact, here's what Jesus actually said. The world is gonna go into labor and the kingdom of God is going to be born from heaven all the way to the earth. And nothing will be able to stop the birth of that kingdom. It's not the end of the world, it's the birth of a whole new world where Jesus sits on the throne, he rules, and he reigns for his people for all time. Amen and amen. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay, so um, the title of the message is Prepare Your Ark. So we talk about uh, as it was in the days of Noah uh, and what time is it. And I want to just put this as your first outline uh, life lesson. It is time to prepare. So I do believe that we are in the beginning of birth pangs and what I'm going to kind of go through briefly this evening is kind of prepare you and show you where some of those birth pains are. But let's start with Matthew chapter 24, verse 37. This is the scripture the Lord gave me as the inspiration uh, for this novel and for this fourth book. So let's read it out loud. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So Jesus is the one that said, hey, you remember the story of Noah? And you know, so what were the days of Noah? He goes, that's what it's gonna be like when I come again. The, the days of Noah were when there was a global battle going on. There was a global rebellion against God. It was a time of great spiritual warfare and darkness. Can anybody relate to that the last couple of years? It is also a time where we have had, obviously there have been many wars, rumors of wars, impacts. We've had earthquakes, plagues, kind of all the things Jesus said. 
But when Jesus said there's earthquakes, there's famines, there's going to be wars, and there's going to be rumors of wars, uh, what he is saying is this is going to be a time where it's happening all around the world. The whole world is going to be brought into it. Now, what, what has happened for us in the last couple of years is this is not a problem that is just in one region or in one country or even in one continent, but all seven continents around the globe are wrestling with this. Its impact is global, and it's having a global impact on health, a global impact on governments, and this very night, I'm sure you guys know, because everybody has their little phone and you can see what's going on around the world, sometimes reported more, sometimes reported less. But there are people in the streets of major cities of various countries all over the world that are really, really upset about what is happening and going on right here on planet Earth. The whole globe is being impacted. So what is going on in the world? When will, so we go, okay, Lord, you told us these are the signs, so when will his kingdom come? We are all caught in this global storm right now. How do we survive it? <laughs> so here's what I want to share with you tonight. If it's as it was in the days of Noah, and it's happening again, and the whole world is going to be flooded with evil and with darkness, then it's high time for all of us who are God's children and believers and the brothers and sisters and descendants of Noah to get into the ark. Can I hear an amen? amen. Time to get into the ark. And I wanna just say to you that as we talk about it tonight, the ark ultimately is a picture of the, the peace and the rest of being inside Jesus Christ. As I share with you, know, we're gonna start next week going through the book of Colossians. Colossians is all about Christ in you, the hope of glory. Who we are in Christ and who the spirit of Jesus Christ is in us. So here's the good news. Once you're in the ark of God for your generation, you're safe. And in fact, it didn't matter how many, I know it rained. How many days and nights did it rain without stopping? Anybody remember from the Bible? 40 days and nights. The whole world was engulfed. And the whole world was perishing. But it didn't matter if it rained 80 days or another 40 days, day and night. Because the only thing that would happen, if you're in the right place at the right time, like in an ark during a flood, the higher the waters of the flood rise, the higher you will go. Can I hear an amen on that? So if we're in the right place, if we're hidden in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter how much flooding that is thrown our way, we will be raised up and lifted up all the way into the heavens with Jesus. The ark then is a picture of Jesus. And as we abide in him, the flood of darkness poured all around us only lifts us higher and higher and higher. Now, let me also say this. The title of the message tonight is, I believe that we're in a, a global flood of darkness. Obviously, we need to get into the ark. And I'm not going to, you know, there, there are many right now uh, that are, you know, variously, you know, prepper, prep, preparing, uh, preppers, whatever. And there, you can go online, and there are all these people that have all these you know, ideas of what's going to happen and how and when and all the rest of it, and they've got a little recipe and all of that. I do not have one of those for you. 
I, and I'm not going to create one. But I will, because I believe that it's, it's something that we need to hear, we need to pray, and we need to be guided by the voice of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we're kind of in a tight spot. You know, a couple hundred years ago, if we were Christians, maybe in Europe or whatever, and you're like, wow, we don't like how the government is treating us, or we don't like how the taxes are coming down, we could just say, how many want to get in a ship, go to a brand new land, and start all over? Uh, but that option's not available to us. I mean, everything's already taken. So we can't go start over again. We have to hide ourselves in the Lord. We have to hear the voice of the Lord. But here's what I do want to say to you, because I do believe that uh, because the Lord is coming soon, that means there's a lot of drama that is yet to be played out. So, you know, I don't want to scare anybody, but the Bible's kind of direct about it, it's not good <laughs> for the world. And, and there's a lot of problems and a lot of things that are going to kind of come undone during that time. But when you start dialing into the Lord, and I think that's who you guys are. That's, that's why you're here tonight. That's why you're listening. Whether you're, you know, we got people all across the country and even other countries around the world that are listening. And part of the reason they are here, so they tell me is, that while much of the church, you know, let's say back in the 70s, they, oh, we talk about prophecy or whatever the Lord coming. And now for some reason, when we're in the thick of the greatest prophetic hour of human history, it's all happening all around us. A lot of the churches are like, I'm, 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 I don't want to talk about it, I think about it. If I don't see it here, I think about it, it won't happen. But I believe that, you know, you guys, if you're here, man, I'm talking about heaven. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about get your ark ready. Can I hear an amen? amen. I'm talking about it because what I see in the Bible is happening. But I don't have a prescription, as it were, for you, but you need to hear the Lord. I will say this, though. For Noah, when he had to prepare an ark, guess what that meant for him? It meant get an ark prepared for his own family. So what I want to say to you is that you need to pray. You need to seek the Lord. I know that there's mandates coming down. There's people having to make decisions about vaccinations, uh, whether I'm going to stay, whether I'm going to take this job. If I lose this job, can I stay here? Do I got to move or whatever? You need to pray. You need to seek the Lord. You need to hear the voice of the Lord. But what I also want to say is that you need to, don't just make a rational decision, don't just make a reasonable decision, but the Lord is allowing this to happen so that we are desperate to pray as never before that we need to hear the voice of the Lord and whatever it is that God will speak to you will be for not just to get another job or to go to another place, but it is going to be for you and your family. You need to pray for your family. What is the best for our family? It was Noah and it was his family alone in the days of Noah that was in the ark and it was the only place that lifted above all of the, fl the flood and the, and the clouds and the rain and all that went down. Okay, so let's move on to the next life lesson. This is the month. So now I'm gonna talk to you for a moment about the biblical month we're in. We're in uh, the month, biblically, when the light of God pierces the darkness. So in parentheses, I have that name up there. You maybe have never heard of it before. It's uh, Kislev. Everybody say Kislev. 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 Very good Hebrew. 
That's the name of the Hebrew biblical month we're in right now. You're in the month of Kislev. And by the way, uh, I want to encourage you to become familiar with the biblical calendar. What are the months? All through the Bible, it will say, and it happened in the first month, and it happened on the 10th day of the fifth month, and we you know, kind of think, oh, you know, January, February, March. No, it's not on our calendar. It's on God's calendar, God's biblical calendar. And what I want to say is that those dates and those months and those years that are in the Bible are there for a reason. Every one of them is God-breathed, God-inspired. They are patterns. And what I have learned is that when I know the time of God, when I get on his calendar, it seems like I start hearing or applying exactly what he did during that same month in the past, now in my life. So I wanna share that with you. So let me tell you a little bit. I mean, you can look it up on, you know, I encourage you to go to Messianic, uh, Jewish Believing in Jesus websites to talk about it, this month of Kislev. But know this about Kislev. Number one, we're in the month right now when Hanukkah is celebrated. So I wanna encourage you, you, you probably, even though we're Christians, and we think, oh, Hanukkah's for the Jews. What well, we read in the Gospel of John, I believe it's chapter 10, Jesus went to Hanukkah. Jesus celebrated Hanukkah. Now, I'm not gonna do a whole study on what Hanukkah is, but here's what I wanna say to you about it. Hanukkah happens every year during this time. It's usually November or December. It's the, it's the month of the greatest darkness. In other words, the month of the longest nights. It is the month that has the shortest days, and it is also the month where this miracle of Hanukkah happened, where the Jewish people almost got extinguished, and there was a miracle that happened with this group called the Maccabees, and, and they saved the temple, and they came into the temple, and there was just one day's worth of oil, but they have to make a special oil. You can't just use any oil, and it was gonna take them eight days. So the one day's worth of oil that they had for the light in the sanctuary lasted miraculously eight days. That's the story of Hanukkah. And not only that, when Jesus, in the Gospel of John, went to the temple during the celebration of Hanukkah, at the top of his lungs, he cried out when the whole nation is thinking about Hanukkah in the past, it was really dark, we almost got extinguished, and then the miracle of light. Jesus cried out and spoke to the people, I am the light of the world. Hallelujah. I am the light of the world. Now you may, and we may be going through an extremely dark, depressing, discouraging, battling time right now, but listen, it's all a setup because God loves to wait. He's a very dramatic God. In fact, he's a lot more dramatic than I appreciate at times. But he loves to wait till it's the darkest to then give the spark of supernatural light. He loves it when it seems hopeless to then finally do a miracle. Now, let me tell you a little something else about this month that we're in the middle of called Kislev. Did you know this is the month the rain of the flood of Noah stopped. And therefore it means this is the month 
that for the first time, human beings, which was Noah and his family, looked up into the sky and saw the very first rainbow, which was God's promise, I'm never going to do that again. How many of you would love for this to be the moment that a supernatural light flashed on you, that the rain that's been pouring, flooding you with fear, anxiety, and whatever, that ended, and that you saw the rainbow of the glory of God's presence shining over your life, amen? May that be true for all of us. Now, the month of Kislev, each one of the 12 months of the Hebrew calendar is related to one of the 12 sons of Jacob, meaning, a tribe is associated with each one of the months. So I'll just jump in and tell you that for the month of Kislev, this month, the, the son that is, or the tribe given to this month is Benjamin. Now here's what's interesting about the story of little Benjamin. Benjamin is the only one of the 12 brothers. He's the only one who was actually born in the promised land. Every single one of the other 11 was born somewhere else. But Benjamin was born literally in the promised land. And by the way, he had a tiny tribe. And sometimes we think, oh, to be important, you gotta be big. You know, like Judah was a big tribe. And Judah was an important tribe. But God appreciates all the tribes and he doesn't just appreciate the big tribes or the influential tribes. Sometimes the smaller tribes are more precious to him in a unique or a different way. So Judah was the big tribe, of course, that's where David would come. But did you know that it was in the little tribe of Benjamin that God placed his holy temple? In the little tribe of Benjamin. Now, what's also interesting is that this weekend, our Jewish brothers and sisters, they, have, they, they kind of read through the Bible and they have a portion given to them every week. Well, did you know that this week, uh, they are, their portion of the scriptures they're reading is the story of the birth of Benjamin to Jacob, his father, and Rachel, his mother. They're reading it this weekend. So what's interesting about that is that uh, with the story of Benjamin, you, you know the story that Rachel, his mom, uh, you know, is in Bethlehem, and, and what happened to Rachel when little Benjamin was born? Rachel dies. She's dying, giving childbirth. That's what it was like 2,000 years ago. So she names her son Ben-Oni, son of my sorrow. It broke her heart. She, you know, you have a fresh, beautiful, precious, new little baby, and now I'm dying. I'm going on to paradise, but I'm leaving behind my son. And then what's interesting is uh, that the husband, Jacob, says no, because Rachel was his first love, his great love. I'm not leaving my son, Benjamin, named Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. He renamed him. And what was the name that he gave? Benjamin. And what does Benjamin mean? Son of my right hand. Look at me in Genesis chapter 35, verse 18. Let's read this out loud. And so it was, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Ben-Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. Now, let me make a, a little application. Do you realize in this story of Benjamin, the only son 
of the 12 who was born in the promised land, whose inheritance, even though it was a little tribe, was to actually have the temple within the territory of Benjamin. And his mom died when he was a baby. He was named son of sorrow, but his father renames him the son of my right hand. Do you not realize that Benjamin is a type or a story of the two comings of Jesus Christ? He, the, his first coming would be sorrowful. His first coming would be that he would die on the cross and it would break his heart. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But then he's coming back after he rose from the dead, after the sorrow, after the resurrection from the cross. Where did he go? All the way up to heaven. Where exactly is he in heaven? Seated at the right hand of his father. So when Jesus comes back, he's coming back as the fulfillment of the tribe of Benjamin, seated at the right hand of his father as king of kings and lord of lords. Amen? Amen. So now, here's another thing uh, that just happened. I don't, how many of you know that, uh, you know, Thursday night going into the wee hours of the next morning, which was really, really early on Friday morning, we just had a lunar eclipse. How many of you heard about it? Okay, most of you heard about it. Do you think it's a coincidence? There was a lunar eclipse. Do you know it's the, it was the longest lasting lunar eclipse we've had in almost 600 years. And it, it lasted a little over six hours. I want you to look with me now. Read with me in Luke chapter 21, verses 25 and 28. Let's read it out loud. And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and in the stars. And on earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. I think about this, uh, you know, because God said in Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, he gave the sun, moon, and stars as Signs, signs. Genesis 1.14, the Hebrew word signs means also in English signals. What is God signaling to us that at this month where the flood waters finally receded and the rainbow came above their heads, the Benjamin who went through great sorrow but then became the right hand of his father and the fulfillment of that story is the soon coming of the Lord. Could the Lord be saying, look up to the moon, pay attention as it's in darkness for six hours. You may feel like your life and your world have been in darkness forever, but know this, the dawn of a new age is coming. My kingdom is coming. My rainbow glorious cloud is coming. The king is coming and he's gonna rule and reign and we're gonna be with him forever and ever and ever. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So, I love it. The Magi knew from the book of Daniel that there was a star that was a sign of the coming Messiah. Daniel is the one who gave them that word and passed on that prophecy that there will be a star symbolizing that a king would come. So the sign in the sky from the word would lead them to Jesus. I believe that God is using everything going on in the world right now to lead us to Jesus. Now, I wanna give you some other signs and headlines now. So I'm gonna kinda go boop, 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 you know, quickly. 
Um, and you can go back later and watch it and look it up and you can research all of this on your own. But I believe that these signs and headlines are telling us what time it is. And I wanna just say this, if you've never heard me say it before, uh, I want you to hear it loud and clear. What time is it, Lord, as far as your coming kingdom? I want you to know this, Israel is God's clock on the wall. What time is it, Lord, if you look to Israel, you will know what time it is. All roads lead from Israel then to Jerusalem. It is the epicenter of the world, and I believe that we're gonna see some major, mind-boggling headlines coming out of Jerusalem over the next couple of years. It's the epicenter of the world from heaven's perspective, and Jerusalem ultimately leads to the temple. Okay, so we're gonna get to my first, um, so now I'm gonna get some, some news. News with Pastor Ray Bentley, okay, news. The implications of the Abraham Accords. Israel may rise to become a new global center of energy and change. So there should be a map behind me or it's coming up very quickly. So I want you to look at this map. Um, so you see on the left-hand side, there is a, a red line from that place called Elot down by the Red Sea. It kind of goes up into the middle of Israel and then whoosh, it goes over to a place called Ashkelon. That solid red line, do you know what that is? That is a, an old 60-year-old pipeline that was to bring the, the oil from the south and then bring it through Israel and then on to Europe. It has not been in use for decades. Do you know who built it? Two nations together, Israel and Iran. This is before the radical Islamic Shiite takeover. So here's what has happened recently. Uh, Israel and the United Arab Emirates are looking at the possibility of constructing a massive Israeli canal project that would rival Egypt's Suez Canal. So that, see the, so you see the red line, that's the old one. They wanna kind of open that up, but then they wanna do a brand new one that would be bigger than the Suez Canal. That's the little black dotted line that goes up and then it goes over to Ashdod. So they're copying the same path and pattern. This is a Muslim country, United Arab Emirates, working together with Israel to bring oil from the Persian Gulf and to bring that then through to Europe. This has never happened before, that Jews and Arabs are coming together. And, but that's not all, Saudi Arabia says they may not sit on the sidelines of the Abraham Accord much longer. Like the United Arab Emirates, the Islamic Kingdom would like also to reap significant economic benefits by normalizing relations with Israel. Hello, did you hear what I just said? Saudi Arabia, would like to normalize relationships with modern Israel for economic purposes. In fact, Israeli officials have indicated that the oil-rich kingdom may be considering the construction of an overland oil pipeline and a high-speed train that runs from the port of Dammam on Saudi Arabia's Persian Gulf Coast through Jordan to Israel's northern Mediterranean port city of Haifa. So, oh, we gotta go back to the, uh, I'm sorry, back to the map. I lost my map. Okay, so there's Dimam. 
all right, down there at the Persian Gulf, and that long red, red dotted line that is going to Haifa, that's what Saudi Arabia wants to bring all the way through there, through Jordan, and then up through Haifa. Now, what I can't show you is, you see the, where Israel, there it says Jerusalem, and you, go, you can see the uh, Sea of Galilee. There's a couple of little red dots up there. This oil pipeline, guess where that represents it's going through? It's literally going through Israel's Jezreel Valley. This is where the proposed pipeline is going, which is, in the Bible, the site of the future battle of Armageddon. That's what they're talking about, and to have a pipeline with Israel and Saudi Arabia, and they say, hey, let's go through here, and hey, you know what? There's a really nice, beautiful valley called the Jezreel Valley, which is where Armageddon is going to be and they're wanting to go through that. So that is happening right now. Okay, now we can go to the next headline. Joel Rosenberg, a brother in the Lord who used to live here and we've had him here at our church before uh, and shared, he's a wonderful Jewish believer that now lives in Israel, just made a prediction this last week that Saudi Arabia will join the Abraham Accords. So this is amazing. I mean, literally, it's, it's so fresh that we have something called the Abraham Accords. And now Israel and these four Arab nations that have joined together to form the Abraham Accords for a peace agreement. And they are now interjecting that unashamedly. This is a, a peace deal. This is a geopolitical deal but guess what the Israelis and the Arabs are calling this political peace deal of normalization, the Abraham Accords. Abraham, that's why, I mean, the politics. You're not supposed to mix religion and politics. Oh no, the Jews are all about Abraham. Well, guess what? So are the Arabs, even the countries that are involved. And in fact, here, here's what's fascinating and what, and what God is doing. So I'm gonna just share real quick that within the Muslim world, you've got 1.6 billion Muslims. The majority of them are Sunni Muslims and the, the, probably the, the top of that uh, pile there uh, of nations and people is Saudi Arabia where they have Mecca and Medina. They're 90, 90% of the 1.6 billion Muslims are Sunni. And they are, and most of them are Arab. Only about 10% or maybe to 15% are Iran. But Iran has a totally different theology, totally different end times view. They're called Shiites. But it's that little tiny group of 10 to 15%, the Iranians, who are just, they say, within a month or two of getting nuclear weapons. And who, who does, you know, the number one target, if Iran got nuclear weapons tomorrow, who would they either use it on or at least threaten to use it on for their power? And most people would say, oh, Israel, wrong. They're number two. The US, wrong, they're number three. Iran's number one target would be Saudi Arabia. Why? Because we're only 10 to 15%, but the rest, the other 90% of the Muslims are wrong. We're right. We want the whole world to be Islamic under our Islamic understanding. 
But how can we take over the whole world and make it Islamic if our own religion is divided? Therefore, they're the ones that have been sending the little drones to blow up oil fields in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is nowhere near. They're never going to get nuclear weapons. They are threatened. Every night, they see that little red dot kind of circling around their chest. And they're going, ah, yikes. What are we going to do? And guess what? Here's the other interesting thing. Iranians are not geographic, or they're not uh, related biologically to the Arab people. So the Sunnis, who are Arab, who have that little red dot on them, are terrified every night going, man, when they get weapons, they're coming after us. What are we going to do? And then the, it, it's like, I'm giving you a, an analogy. Saudi Arabia and all the Arabs said, hey, wait a second. We see somebody else real close to us that has that little red dot on their chest, Israel. And guess what? We're related to them. They're our brothers. How are they related? Abraham. So do you realize what God is doing? God is, so you've got Sunnis, hundreds of millions of them terrified that Iran is going to wipe them out, take them over, eradicate them, take everything they've got. And now it's like God is bringing the sons and daughters of Ishmael running under the tent of Abraham, our father. Because you know what? The Quran is, tells the story, just like the Bible tells the story of Abraham had two sons, Isaac and who? Ishmael. It was a family that had some trouble because they had two moms and there was some jealousy. And finally, you know, Sarah kicks out uh, you know, Hagar and her son Ishmael, they're in the desert, they're dying of thirst, and she's just crying, 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 why are we here, we're gonna die. And she put her son over in the bushes, we're just gonna die. And God shows up, and he says to Hagar, I have heard your cries. God, don't you love me? I had a son with Abraham, don't you care about me? Don't you care about my son, we're dying? God says, I've heard your cry. And yes, I'm going to answer your prayer, and I'm going to bless your son Ishmael. Did you know that when uh, God told Abraham, you're gonna have 12 sons that will become 12 tribes to be one nation, he gave a promise to Ishmael and said, you're gonna have 12 princes that will become 12 countries, you're gonna even be bigger. I'm gonna bless both sons, Isaac and Ishmael. Now, they went different ways through the Bible, but do you know when in the Bible, Isaac and Ishmael, who went two different directions because of, you know, a family split, there was a day when they stood side by side, wept, and embraced one another. It was at Father Abraham's funeral that the two sons came together and reconciled. Thousand, four thousand years later, the descendants of Ishmael and the descendants of Isaac are saying, with all the chaos going on in our part of the world, maybe it's time for us to come under the tent of our father Abraham and make peace. Do you see how God works? Isn't our God awesome? Isn't our God amazing? God does great and mighty things which we do not know or understand. So I think that is the beginning of that. Now, that also, I believe, is the beginning of the peace deal that maybe not goes so well down the road. So what do we do with it now? Look, I love peace as long as there's peace. And we're to pray for peace, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And even I believe that these two, God is using this ultimately to bring both Isaac and Ishmael to the knowledge of the revelation of his son, Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen on that? Amen. amen. Okay, let me go on quickly to the next headline. 
This one, you know, you're probably not shocked, but it's one that just came out, joint military drills with United States, Israel, Bahrain, and United Arab Emirates for war against Iran could happen soon, U.S. General says. Let me just say the four countries recently held an unprecedented joint five-day naval exercise in the Red Sea, and last month, Israeli Air Force F-15 fighter jets escorted by an American B-1 bomber flew over Israeli territory on its way to the Persian Gulf. So military cooperation between Israel and these two Persian Gulf Arab countries have now come into fruition after the common threat that has been posed by Iran, which helped lead to the signing of the Abraham Accords. What I'm saying is that all this big geopolitical stuff that is going on, it's not left, right, even Republican, Democrat. God is moving the stage forward exactly as the Bible outlined by Ezekiel, by Jesus, by the writers of the New Testament talking about the end times. So here we've got a, we've got a peace deal where Isaac and Ishmael are coming together under the tent of David. The Bible talks about a coming peace deal. Now we have they're cooperating in a military alliance. But now look at this next one, this next headline. The Abrahamic house is under construction right now in the UAE. So I want you to show that up on the, scr the screen. The Abrahamic house is under construction right now in the UAE. There are people that are saying, and I've said, there will never in a hundred years, because the whole belief about the end times, the book of Revelation is that you've got to have a temple, but then you've already got the Al-Aqsa Mosque and the Dome of the Rock, and how could you have Christians and Jews and Muslims on the same place at the same time? It'll never happen in a hundred years. Oops, it's actually happening right now. Do you see that picture right there? That is called the Abrahamic Family House. It is an interfaith complex on an island in Abu Dhabi. It's going to have on one site a synagogue, a mosque, and a church that will have simultaneous worship. So Muslims, Jews, Christians, side by side in this country, people say, you could never do that. There'll be you know, World War III or whatever. Guess what? It's already under construction and will be completed next year in the year 2022. And I, so you say, well, what's that all about? Why would an Arab country, look, there's more, I believe, going on with the Abraham Accords behind the scene than we can imagine. And I'm going to tell you this, I believe that this is a trial balloon. Just, you remember how just a couple of years ago they said, you know, because both Republicans and Democrats in 1995 made a decision, we as America should recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Every other 200 plus country around the world gets to pick their capital and then everybody else recognizes it, except for one, Israel. And we stayed in Tel Aviv. We, so in 1995, both Democrats and Republicans said, no, that's not right. We should actually acknowledge Jerusalem. But nobody, no president would actually move our embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Why? Because World War III will break out. Or maybe peace will break out. So they kept kicking the can down the road every six months. But finally, a couple of years ago, all of a sudden, they said, you know what? We're going to do it. They said, you can't do it. If you do it, oh, 
They did it. And what happened? Did World War III happen a couple of years ago? No. Nothing happened. Our embassy is still there, of the United States, in the city of Jerusalem. So I believe that this is, you've got Jews in a synagogue, Christians in a church, Muslims in a mosque, and they all walk together in the same site, and nothing is going wrong or bad about it. I believe it's a balloon type that now you can take and put it where it really is going to matter and make the most difference, right there on the Temple Mount. I believe in the near future there will be a rebuilt third temple. There will also be the Dome of the Rock. There will be the Al-Aqsa Mosque. There will even be Christians allowed for the first time to read the Bible up on Temple Mount, to pray, to get on your knees, which now you cannot do. But it's coming, and I believe it's coming very, very soon. Oh, it can never happen in a million years, but it is happening. So I just wanted to say, uh, you know, in the, I'm so excited about my book, the, um, As the Days of Noah, because there's a discussion guide. We talk about these things as part of the story. So for book clubs, for home fellowships, where you want to talk about it, learn about it, get more into it, it's got that provided as well. Okay, so then let's go on to the next headline. Orthodox rabbis have found the red heifer to bring the world into the no, Noahic covenant. So this is where we're going to kind of wrap it up. Um, but we, just a few weeks ago, I mean, here, here's what was happening. So I'm writing this story. By the way, I've got to say thank you to Bodhi Taney. She's a beautiful, anointed, gifted writer. Yes, you should, you should uh, applaud her. She's, she's also, I don't know if you know, she's Jewish. So she's a Messianic believer. So it's been fun, uh, you know, and her husband Brock does a lot of the research. But she, what a beautiful, uh, gifted, anointed writer. So we're writing this story, and then, you know, I, I was realizing that, look, before they have a temple and do all of that, they've got to do this red heifer. And um, so we, we wrote it into the book. It's literally at the very end of the book about how these, you know, we wrote a story about rabbis coming from Israel, they come to America, they go to Texas, they find all the Texas guys because they got all the cattle and the red heifers in the world and, and they find a red heifer and so they're back, you know. Well then, life imitates art. Two rabbis literally came from Israel that are Orthodox rabbis and there really was a Texas guy that somehow, miraculously, the Lord connected me to through my friend and brother, Robert Mawiri, they come to Texas and they said, we have now found the red heifer. This is, and we're getting ready to do a sacrifice, which I don't have time to go into, but it's all about Noah, the Noahic covenant. It's, it's about the glory that is gonna be coming back. And, and uh, they said, it's coming within the next couple of years. And they said, this is gonna prepare the way for the temple. And they're saying, we believe the Messiah is coming very soon. I said, we believe he's coming soon too. Like my friend Robert said, because they're like, yeah, 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 we know you, because we, we kept telling him, look, we believe Jesus is the Messiah. They go, we know. It's not a secret the last 2,000 years. You guys have all been for him. We don't quite believe that he's the guy, but we do believe the Messiah is coming. So they, they keep, you know, we keep jostling with one another, and they go, look, when he comes, we'll ask him. <laughs> so then Robert said, well, we'll look at his passport and see if it's been stamped once already, Right. But we know who it is, and the Lord is the one that's going to be revealing himself to them. So I have, even in the back of the book, there's an appendix on the details about the red heifer. 
Also, there is a page in the back. If, if you get anybody, a friend, relative, or whatever, uh, to, to read kind of a crazy story, what's happening in the Middle East and this wild and crazy story, there's a page in the back of how you can give your life to Jesus Christ. So salvation too. I hope and pray that God will use it, but it will blow your mind. So I want to close by saying, uh, I encourage you guys, I know a lot of you already are doing it, but if you haven't yet, get our app, Maranatha Chapel TV, then you download the app, which is free, and then go watch the series called Step Into the Story. I've done about 15 episodes of what's happened just in the last year and a half or so, and it's happening so much, and it's happening so fast, and it's so exciting, and it's so fun. So I want you guys to get it. And I wanna close with this. Um, the artist who did the, the cover for it, what is this? Uh, this is the door of the ark and you're looking through the open door and seeing the storm of the great flood of the days of Noah. And I wanna close then with this. I mean, they're in Kentucky. Vicki and I actually went and uh, visited. They built a replica by the dimensions of the Bible of the ark. Has anybody, has anybody been to it? I, I have, yeah, some of you have been. If you can't go there personally, go online see the size of a person, and then how monstrous the Ark of the Covenant, or the, the, uh, the Noah's Ark is. It's just incredible. And guess what? On that Ark, one door. One door. And the only place you want to be is on the inside. Let the flood be on the outside. Can I hear an amen? But there's a theme here. And that's why we put it on the cover, one door. Did you know the Garden of Eden was enclosed? It's called paradise. You know what paradise means? A garden enclosed, had a fence around it. But there was one door, only one door into the presence of God. And that was on the east side. Noah and the flood, there's only one door that he and his family and all the animals went in. And then finally, you have the tabernacle or the temple, and then you have the Holy of Holies where the very presence of God is. Guess how many doors there are in there? One. And so in the Gospel of John, do you know what Jesus said? I'm the door. You want to go to heaven? You want to see heaven? The only way you can go is through me. I am the only door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man will go to heaven. No man will see heaven or its glory unless they come through me, because I am the door. Amen. 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 Bow your heads and close your eyes, and let me close with an invitation opportunity to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, you know, if it's one man, one woman, one boy, one girl, you're listening to this, and maybe you're thinking, man, if they knew who was listening to this message, but God's got your number, God's got your attention, and maybe he's used all the drama and the trauma of the last couple of years to shake you up and for you to get scared and desperate. And you're like, no, I, I get it. I see it. I don't understand it all, but I believe it. And I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven of my sins. He, Jesus said, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. If anyone hears my voice and will open the door, I will come in. And we, I will save you. I'll forgive you of everything you've done wrong. I'll wash and cleanse you. I paid for your sins. I'll give you the gift of eternal life. I'll fill you with my Holy Spirit. And then have I got some great plans for you for all of eternity. 
but you have to open the door. You have to ask him to come in. So I'm gonna say a very simple childlike prayer. I'm gonna invite everybody to pray with me out loud. Jesus said, don't be ashamed of me. I'm not gonna, you know, if you're ashamed of me down here before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father and the angels in heaven. So just, you know, you don't have to say it loud, but verbalize it because you're gonna be serious with God and he'll take you serious. So if you're a believer, you can pray along. It doesn't mean you're getting saved again. It's we're remembering and being reminded of the beauty, the preciousness of our salvation. But maybe you're like, I don't know where, I used to think I believe, but then I fell away, or I'm a prodigal, or whatever it is. Or maybe you've never heard it, and this is the first time. I want you to pray this simple, childlike prayer after me right now, and you will be saved for eternity. So if you're willing, let's pray together after this manner. Dear Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I am so sorry for everything I've done wrong. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place. I open the door of my heart and I ask you to come into my life to be my personal Lord and Savior. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. I receive the gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.